Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager here. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. And uh, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone who has uh, been patient with us in our website transition stages. Uh, we're back at the old domain, secondcityhockey.com. I apologize if some of you had issues accessing that or getting redirected to the old website. Hopefully it's all good now. Um, I can't promise you it'll be a smooth ride uh, the rest of uh, every single second of every day for the rest of the way we're doing this, but um, we'll do our best to make any problems uh, very short lived. But uh, again, thanks again. And uh, check out the new site. It looks really cool. Um, so we've got a group of four here this evening. We do have a brief lineup change, uh, but we got plenty. Well, maybe not plenty of Blackhawk stuff to talk about, but we're going to make some shit up anyway along the way. Up first, the analytic starling of Second City Hockey on Twitter at Jehovah's Witness. It's Shepard Price. Um, the world is sad and nobody is happy, and that's just what's happening. Um, and did Taylor Swift just break up with the longest relationship <laughs> of her life? Yeah. I again. I, so in my history of fandom of Taylor Swift and the fandom, um, she has always been dating Joe, Joe Alwyn. This is brand new for me. This single Taylor. It's like oh. I uh, huh. th- thoughts and prayers in these trying times. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's all I have. Oh, hey, on a love, scale, of, love is dead. <laughs> on a scale of one to speaking of love and uh, things you love being dead, on a scale of one to ten, how done are you with the White Sox this season? I I didn't start watching them because I I I heard I, I listened to the uh, podcast with Joe Posnanski and Michael Shore. And they were talking about like, okay, here's the here's what's going on with the White Sox, and I didn't like any of the goddamn moves I heard. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, they, tra- they traded they traded Nick Madrigal for somebody who's gone, who wasn't who didn't really have that big of an impact. I think. Well, um, I, think I think Nick Madrigal might suck too, but uh, and now and just everything you heard that was bad, and now Tim Anderson's hurt, and Yohan Mankata's hurt, and Aloy Jimenez is hurt. So, what's the point? <laughs> like, like I if I'm gonna watch any White Sox games, it's gonna be for Aloy. And like, or, or, or Louis and like, they, they just don't have the team anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real fun to uh, have those two or three years of a rebuild all uh, kind oh, of go to shit oh, in a heartbeat. Really, huh? really, really, really fun that Jerry Reinsdorf just absolutely screwed Rick Hahn a yeah. year after he won uh, executive of the year by forcing that, that managing hire on him. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Um, also, let's just let, we're, I'm just going to run away from that topic because that's just going to make us more sad than the team we're actually going to talk about does. Uh, also with us this evening, he is on Twitter at Mo182, and he is the second city hockey. What Suzuka Nakamoto is the baby metal. It's Mil Savage. You know, my, my boy O'Neill Cruz is hurt, too. So, <laughs> but I'm yeah, in the bad boat as well. But but your peng, uh, your penguins, your pirates took two or three from the White Sox over the weekend. So you should be riding high right now. Some are saying buckos. Some, some are saying, all, not many, all, but some. Yeah, uh, the Andrew McCutcheon moment where he walked up to home plate with the crowd going nuts was pretty sweet. I, I have that to say. was really that was really cool. And also, I just want to say, after the first three series of the year, and then watching them play Houston yesterday, I, I I hate how good Houston is, but they're starting to get out of their like beginning slump, and it's just like <laughs> fuck this. I I. I like I want Jose Abreu to win a World Series because he deserves one, but 
fucking Houston, man. Really? Yeah, it's, I know. It's it's not quite Chelios on the Red Wings, but it's it's in the ballpark. But the, the thing is, it's like Chelios on the Red Wings is like Blackhawks hatred. Houston is like baseball fan hatred. <laughs> we're, we're Unless you're an hatred. Astros fan. Yeah. Also, Every... Jose Abreu's beard is paranoid annoying the shit out of me. Interesting. It's, I, it's, I, have you seen it? Nah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I saw it for like the 10 years he was on the White Sox. It's like really long now and tied up with a rubber band, but like oh, in yeah. a weird way. He, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's like a, a, a beard tail. Like I can't call it a ponytail because, but you get the idea of what I'm trying but to say. It looks start. different for some reason. I, I got, I have nothing for you. Um, I don't I'm, know. Cause I used just, to have a big, I don't know Abreu. what to call it. I used to have a big, a pretty fat head in the store actually. Um, all right. Well, whatever, you know, sky point, you know, baseball, if Houston wins again, we're all fucked. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, the last member of the group with us this evening, Betsy's not in cause she is busy with some other obligations. So, uh, Eric, I apologize. I still don't have a good intro for you, but Eric Agenheimer is here this evening and I'm, I'm, we're going to do this in the off season. We're going to figure this out. Uh, the Jeff Hackett wall of text. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> there's going to, there's going to be a lot of indents in that, in that wall. I think that was Possibly. fucking hilarious. <laughs> Jeff Hackett wall of text. Uh, I don't know if anybody else watched his succession, but in honor of the major episode that happened this week, I'll be telling everybody to fuck off all night because that's how they roll. Brian Cox beat my grandfather challenge 2K23. <laughs> <laughs> so am I like the Jocelyn T-Ball wall of text then? Is that where we're at? In this? And we're not, I don't think we're going to be able to trade you for Patrick Waugh. Do you drink uh, a lot of milkshakes? <laughs> that, that was his thing. He always had to drink milkshakes because he lost way too much weight during the season. <laughs> that's it's good for him. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good job if you can get it, I guess. Not these days. Um, well, uh, I, I don't have anything else. I, I, Succession, I feel like, has become the the newest show that every night on Sunday at 9 or 10 o'clock, whenever it ends, my timeline is full of a bunch of uh, – the Twitter timeline is all exclamation, all caps tweets because of something ridiculous that happened at the end of that show. Like back in the day, it was Sopranos, and then it was Game of Thrones for a hot minute. Uh, and now it feels like it is completely succession. It's Sopranos just was pre-Twitter, though. Yeah, I was going to say Sopranos was over before Twitter took off. I, I think, well, it was like the very, very, like Twitter, I feel like it was just taken off right when Sopranos ended. And, may, and maybe it was this, like, it was literally the series finale of Sopranos. Well, the people are still talking about that, to be fair. True. Yeah, Sopranos ended in 2007, so I guess it's kind of close. There's anyway. a tweet somewhere that was like HBO has built their entire empire on realizing that people are sad for Sunday to be over. And that's, <laughs> that's what they do Sunday night. They got the shows. Cause even like, you know, last of us house of the dragon, and they always have something pretty decent on, on Sunday night. They do. Uh, I, I, HBO max is probably the best subscription I have. Undoubtedly. It's, it's very good. The, the shows, sure. the shows, the documentaries, the comedy, like they've got, they've got, they got a lot of good shit. Uh, Hopefully we'll get, uh, we're going to parlay this into a sponsorship. Well, it's just going to be max. Now. I think they're getting rid of the HBO part and they're just calling it max. They're going to mess the whole thing up. But anyways, yeah. I agree with you. It's, it's the best right now. So of course they're going to screw it up. Yeah. I, they're bringing in discovery plus, which like I, my understanding is that discovery plus is the home of trash reality television these days. Oh, great. 
Yeah, it was equated to somebody who owns a bunch of McDonald's getting to run a four-star restaurant. That's what they said. <laughs> However, I think some, something here, I think, by the end of summer is going to end up with AEW on one of these platforms. And then I will go to that platform immediately. Yeah, I might be. it might be HBO Max because they're... I won't get into it on this show because this is a hockey show. But I kind of put the... <laughs> it's supposed to be, but I put not together yet. the time. Well, well, I put together the timeline uh, for that England one that's not supposed to be a pay per view because Wembley. We all, yeah, because we have all out a week later. I um, feel like they're like they're not doing all out at Wembley. I thought they were doing all out at Wembley. No, they're doing all in and all outs. Confer- like we're getting all out a week later. They're okay. They're doing all in. At Wembley. Yeah, it's it's kind of dumb, but at the same time, if they're going to put butts in seats, go for it. Yeah, it's all Wait, in, isn't it? We, which one's in Chicago? It's all usually out. all out. Okay. All so, in was in Chicago. That was the first show they ever did before it was AEW. Yeah. That was like the in, remember how they got challenged to book that indie show? And then they called it all out for the sequel, and then the last couple after that. I think they've done four total. So they're just bringing, I don't know. The, the names of AEW pay-per-views are kind of weird, to be honest. They are. And there's also really good like shows that they've not brought back, like the Jericho Cruise. See, this is, like, this is sorry. usually the time of the podcast where we would have to wake Betsy up out of her slumber. And I think we would have to do that to Eric now, because I don't think we've uh, infected Aaron or Eric with our AEW uh, fandom yet. Have no, we? but I have to watch the game anyway. So if you guys need to talk <laughs> well, about wrestling, well, <laughs> yeah. well Shay, Shay and I could go down some fucking weird path, and then we'll realize, like, hey, we're supposed to be talking about hockey. Whoops! That'll that'll be the July shows that we do. <laughs> oh God! All right, so uh, we should mention we are recording this on Tuesday night uh, during the Blackhawks Penguins game because, again, uh, as an indication of how interesting the Blackhawks are this season, we, we decided to come together and record a podcast instead of focusing too much attention to this game because it doesn't mean anything in the long run. Um, also, I am sitting outside because it is a goddamn perfect night in the Chicagoland area. So if you hear random like birds chirping or more likely a train going by, that's <laughs> just uh, just just the ambiance that we're going to add to this show. This is a, a very special bonus edition. You get that ambiance to really set up the mood for this episode. Um, so as we're talking, it's uh, no score early second period. So if you hear any random exclamations of uh, joy or frustration, or disbelief or what have you. That's probably why that happened or something happened in the Columbus, uh, Philadelphia game, which last time I checked Columbus was, uh, uh, was uh, took a two, nothing lead and then fell behind three to two because it is Columbus. And that's the last I've heard. It's still three to two. It's still three to two. Thank you, Eric. See, mm-hmm. er- Eric's on Eric's, uh, the one paying attention to things this evening. Cause he has to write the recap. I don't think I've like watched any Hawks game in the last, like 40 where I've reacted to something bad they've did. I've just been like, Oh, I figures. I hate how much I was happy when Minnesota took the lead late on Monday night. That, that like, was it, brutal. It, it, it bothered me on principle. Like if that was a game in any other season, that game would have, uh, I, that would have required a lot of expletives. Instead, I was like kind of thrilled about it. And that I fucking hate that. I can't. And I, it's, uh, I'm probably beating this horse to death at this point, but, 
Uh, we only have to do it for two more games, so I'm going to take a few more I, swings. While I, I saw some of, your tw- some of your tweets from last night. I saw them this morning when I was at work, and I was just kind of chuckling, not at you, but kind of like with you, like, oh, yeah, that's accurate. Misery loves company, Mill. Uh, mm. so, so the question I have for the group, though, related to the game on Monday, and I'm just going to let – I'm just going to throw this question out into space, and whoever wants to start yelling first, go right – well, maybe not yelling. Who wants to start – talking first can go right ahead. Uh, but the question was, so um, the Hawks had obviously a pretty terrible lineup. Minnesota showed up with a similarly terrible lineup because they started uh, to rest some guys for the postseason. So does the fact that the Hawks had a roster, like that's probably the closest in terms of overall skill level the Hawks have had to their opponent, uh, comparatively speaking, this season. And the Hawks, even though they lost the game, did kind of pretty thoroughly own the all the shot and possession metrics that were available to you. Does that do anything for you that the Hawks, like when it was a more of a neck and neck playing field that they actually like look pretty good. I know okay, I'll, 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 I'll start with this. My motto this season has my, my motto this season has been play, play well, lose, uh, play well and lose. Uh, and that's the definition of that is you play well and you lose. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> the definition that's of play what, well or lose is you play well you lose i like it yeah exactly like that's what they're that's what they should have been doing this entire time is like okay they choke it away in the last three seconds and lose by a goal i, I think yeah i think it was more it's just like if like i i don't know how big of a conclusion we can draw from a one game sample like it's probably too much but it's just it was it, it th- that was a thought that crossed my mind as i was thinking back to that game earlier this day that it was the first time they probably had any level of a similar skill rating on their team compared to their opponents. And they actually didn't look that bad. Like they, they had sustained offensive zone time and like got good shots. Just they don't have anybody to finish. So they only scored two goals. So I don't, Eric, you didn't sound quite as, uh, uh, you, your answer was much more succinct, but I was wondering if you had any more uh, of an elaborate thought on that. Well, that's kind of the story of the season, right? Is it's, you know, that's why everybody loves what Luke Richardson's done because he's got him playing hard because they obviously can't match up. You know, you go player to player, uh, any lineup and they're going to be deficient. So what do you do? You know, you, you check hard, you play hard, you know, you don't give up on pucks. You, you know, do all the little stuff. You annoy your opponent. And that's why everybody, you know, is so excited to see what he can do once he has, you know, uh, an influx of talent added to this roster. So, I mean, it, it just kind of felt like one of those types of games. And, you know, they've they've done that a lot. They did that against Boston. They did that, you know, they whooped Ottawa in that game that Ottawa had to have when they were still in the playoff. Like, they've, they've been annoying. They've been pesky all year. Um, so, it just felt like kind of more of the same of that. Yeah, I, I don't um, I, I guess the the thing I was trying to do is like projected forward to like if they get better talent, maybe they'll be able to compete against other other good teams when they have a ta- there's not so egregious of a talent gap between them and their opponents. But again, it's well, a one game sample. Go ahead. No. And the hope would be that they're playing a different style of game then, too. Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot of that is personnel and you know, the draft is obviously, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that more. That's going to impact hugely kind of the makeup of the team next year. And if they end up getting, you know, a later pick or a guy who's not going to be here for a few seasons still, then this might be the type of game we're watching all next year too. 
Mill, what about you? Any other thoughts in that vein? Yeah, you know, it, it, I'm not comparing Minnesota's fully uh, equipped roster to any really good Hawks roster, but it reminds me of the good Hawks, you know, 09 through 17. They had a lot of years where they'd rest guys towards the end, and a team would hang around with them thinking like, oh, we might win, we have better numbers through two periods, and then the Hawks would just eat them up, even if they had guys out. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of what a playoff caliber team could do to a team that's not very good. Um, even with guys out. I mean, that reminds me of that game where Hosa played just to score his 30th goal and then like left. <laughs> or the, uh, uh, the game, uh, I forget what season it was, but at the end of it, it was, uh, they ended against the blues and it was the ice hogs and Brenton Seabrook. 13. Uh, and, and, it was, yeah. the, it was the play. It was the cup 13 run where they were like, uh, sat everybody. Was that the Drew LeBlanc game? That might have been the Drew LeBlanc. Drew LeBlanc. Uh, Drew LeBlanc. <laughs> Drew LeBlanc. <laughs> and fucking like Kyle Bond or whoever. As my father uh, called him, Drew LeBlanc. Those those Hobie Baker Award winners, wasn't he? A, or no, he was just a nominee. They're all just like college kids who like <laughs> they signed there. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's true though. Like they, that's that's. It, it's just kind of my my two cents is just you know like it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But yeah, I guess the the Monday game it was just it was a change of pace from watching the Hawks get so thoroughly outshot and attempted and and just out everything else like they have this entire season. Um, so, but uh, again, like the it's it's so hard to I, I I've seen some like some articles written and uh, about you know Luke Richardson proving he's a good coach this season and I like I can't get that far yet. I feel like he he's been fine, but I just, I, I don't know where, I don't know how much you can uh, evaluate him at all because you just, there's been nothing. He's, he has nothing to use. It's like you, trying to no, evaluate us as journalists. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hey, I, go ahead, Eric. I, I am a professional journalist. I'm, I'm not saying you sometimes. aren't. I'm talking about the content within the contents of what we do here on this podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> Up. Did the Hawks just take the lead? Oh, it appears no. Oh, oh my god! Oh my! I my! Think, I think we might have found out that my feet is slightly ahead of all of yours. I think yes. Yeah, this is this is the part. This is the part of the, po- the live stream podcast where we realize that people are on different times. Yeah, well, this that, is good to know that Dave's patio bar and grill has better service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good seat's still available, and by that I mean all of them. <laughs> they did, <laughs> and Connor Murphy scored. Okay. I think so. Someone, Dave, if I if I pay nineteen was bucks, a, can I get a seat and two beers? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. It was a weird screenshot from the point. It looks I like think, it went through two guys. Did Bjork get a piece of it? Because it looked like he celebrated like he had. I couldn't tell. But either way, it's the uh, middle of the second, and the Hawks are winning one nothing, and I'm sure everyone on the internet is taking it very well. Well, it would have been Reese Johnson that would have touched it anyways. If if anybody from the Blackhawks touched it, it would have been Reese Johnson. And and as we've established on several other editions of this podcast, uh, at least he's a nice guy. So somebody (laughs) please call Betsy. (laughs) Yeah. uh, York probably just celebrates like he, like he scored because he's just a great teammate. Hey, nothing we're going to go with. Hey, nothing wrong with celebrating a teammate success. How many goals does Reese Johnson get? Of course you have to celebrate them (laughs) because that might, that might be it for quite a long time. Yeah. It might be his last one in the NHL. You never know. You never know. Yeah. If we could only be so lucky. Well, he can score somewhere else. I mean, whatever next team is going to tank for 
I don't know the next the next wonder kid that's going to come up in the draft in two or three years. Well, by the Hawks signing Tenorti, it seems like they're going for two in a row first round oh, first overall picks. What a they what are a, what a segue, Mill, because that was just about what I was going to bring up as the 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 main news of the day, and and this is where we're at for news of the day with this team. That's that's how the French say le, just blah. It's le blah. Um, the uh. But yeah, Jared Sonority got a one-year contract extension for one and a quarter million. Uh, the Hawks confirmed it just before the game. I think Ben Pope from the Sun-Times was the first to report it. Um, I, I kind of rolled my eyes when I saw this. Like, yeah, fine, whatever. Like, again, I, I think I said this earlier, maybe even at the start of this season, like they are contractually obligated by the NHL to field a team with 18 skaters next season as well. So uh, they need to have bodies and – uh, I just, you know, he's a body. It's only a one-year deal. I can't get too upset about it. Uh, but did anyone else have a more visceral reaction? My issue with Jared Norty is besides the fact that there's two R's in his first name for some reason, um, <laughs> that after he had jaw surgery and that's what the, the, the refrain I've heard is how much he loves living in Chicago. His family loves living in Chicago. After he had jaw surgery, the first thing he did was go eat five guys. You live in Chicago. Like, come on, man. Five guys. That's where you're going. That's that's my whole Jared Tenorti thought right there. Yeah. Uh, okay, not- okay. Hot take. Name a better uh, – maybe steak and maybe steak and shake, but name but, a better burger okay, restaurant okay. in look, Chicago. Look, look. The point is you don't have oh. to go to a chain. There's yeah. five million better burger restaurants There's in Chicago. Like- there's like three Kumas corners now, aren't there? Like, go, go to Kumas, yeah, go to Austin. You can get a better, you can get a better burger at the bottom one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, small Chevelle. Come on. And it's 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 the little it's the little things. So uh, maybe Jared Tony Tonordi just likes peanut shells underneath his feet. <laughs> you ever think about that? <laughs> I, I guess he does. Perhaps. He's like you know, I we really don't love shame here. He's like, I really love the feeling under my skates when we have to play the night after the Bulls played. Uh, I just I can't believe that they there's they they. I mean, I guess they think they're going to have to be bad again, anyways. But like, there's really not a better player you could sign. Well, I mean, like they. So first off, he's I very bad. No, no, we don't want better players. We want. No uh, draft picks. Well, first of all, I, I will get to this in the summer, but they aren't tanking next season. If they like, this is the end of tanking. This season is the end of it. They're, no, they're the, not the end of the end of tanking. Look, no. They're they're not going no. to be good next season. But you are trying to win every game from here on out. Absolutely, because once no. you get once you get the the Bedard or Vantilli mm-hmm. or whatever and Korchinski up, you stop. This long term shit's over. You're you're start. You're going forward, or you're going to be stuck in neutral forever. Um, we'll go down that road in the summer, but, uh, with Tenorti, like, so they have four defensemen under contract, uh, four veteran guys under contract for next season. Now it's, uh, Tenorti, Seth Jones, Connor Murphy, and Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, Ooh. Caleb Jones is a restricted free agent. Uh, Andres England is unrestricted and there's one more restricted free agent and that's Ian Mitchell. But then you also have Korchinski and Wyatt Kaiser and Alex Vlasic who could all be coming up next season. Like Kaiser's already at the NHL right now. So the one, the one mild concern I have is that it, it the rooms, the blue line rooms a little crowded again, all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, well maybe you, they can move Nikita Zaitsev's big ass over a little well, bit. I, I saw, I think it was uh Scott. Oh, buy him wrote, out. Buy, yeah, him out, yeah. buy, buy, buy him out or wave him or whatever. And, and the Hawks have, will have the cap space to buy out his contract if they need to do that. So 
I guess. That, I mean, that look, might I know be... Shay wants to tank, but I don't want to watch Nikita Zaitsev. <laughs> Nikita Zaitsev is not. Uh... I should also note. I should also note as as a no as a as uh, a hardly watching the Blackhawks anymore person, um, because now I get to just be my Vegas Golden Knights fan self. Uh, I'm not really watching that many games anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. Right. So you there don't goes... have to deal with it. Yeah, I well, and I mean, it's not like there's anything earth shattering you're going to learn from watching Nikita Zaitsev. Like, I think he's on his third or fourth team by now, and um, there's probably a reason for that. But also, Jared Tenorti's on his like sixth. So he was like a Toronto, like a big Toronto problem for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I I really feel like Luke Richardson has an affinity for Jared Tenorti because he's a similar type of player to what Luke Richardson was in his NHL career. Although that type of defenseman isn't necessarily as prevalent or successful in the NHL now because it's a different game. So you think <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. I've like at the moment, I'm not going to get too upset about it because it's only one year deal, yada, yada, yada and all that. But um, if we get to next season and like, uh, you know, Jared Tenorti is getting 20 minutes a game and Kevin coaching is up and only skating 12, like, all right, that then, then I'm going to get annoyed. I guess my question would be like, why now? What's the compelling reason to sign him right now? <laughs> oh, there's, the free agent to market was going to be off. Yeah, the I don't think there's a big tenority frenzy on July 1st. Um, you're just taking away options for yourself, I guess, because yeah. now it feels like, especially for a million bucks is still a million bucks, a million quarter, whatever. That's a roster slot. Like You don't know who else is going to be available, what else is out there. And so you're committing that one roster mm. spot already goes to Jared Tenorti and you have tons of cap space. You can take all kinds of weird, terrible, bad contracts and maybe get other people with those. Yeah. So don't can't, isn't that, isn't that 1.25 or one, isn't that variable now? I don't think so because of his age. And I, I always get uh, screwed up with um, waiver claims and all that. And, and how that whole process works because I feel like it changed. It changes every year, and I, I probably should be better at that, but I'm not. Um, I don't think they can. Uh, I mean, they could buy it out if they really wanted to. So there's that. Yeah, I, I believe mean, they can, I mean, they, 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 I believe they can send him to the AHL. Worst case scenario. Or yeah. obviously, he's gonna he's gonna hurt himself twelve times throughout the year again. Well, yeah, that's the other thing is he only played tripping into skates games. and getting in fights five seconds after he gets back from a broken jaw and yeah. you know, with well, five guys gonna... still in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, hold on, I'm still chewing. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I like, him off the ice. It is it is a it is a roster. I guess the one thing, if I was gonna say like, why would you do this early? Is I guess. It, it gives the appearance for the Blackhawks of doing right by a player to bring him back for another season. And I, I guess like the, there was still a reputation that the Blackhawks have around the NHL for being a first class organization and all that shit. I, I know how that sounds given everything that the team has done the last few years. Um, but there is a, there's still a belief like um, every player that was traded away at the deadline had nothing but positive things to say. Max Domi was like, it seemed like he was crestfallen that the Blackhawks traded him away because of how much fun he had being on the Blackhawks last season. And maybe this is part of that equation somewhere, I guess. I just don't understand how that helps your team. I I mean, that's all good stuff. If that helps you get 
Austin Matthews or, you know, bring Alex to back. Great. But like a journeyman waiver claim, seventh, eighth defenseman, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's just why it confuses me why they did it right now and why it couldn't wait you know, a couple weeks from now, because yeah. they can still, they could still sign him in June. They can sign him before free agency opens, but just that's, that's the only thing that's kind of my question is, you know, why exactly it was right now. And I think that is a fair question to ask. Um, and I don't, don't have a better answer for you than, uh, what, uh, what was already said. So, um, because, uh, patience is a virtue Kyle Davidson does not have. That's, that's the unfortunate truth. Well, I, well, well, he better have patience. Cause it's not like this team's going to be good anytime soon. Um, I think, well, I, I, I think more with like, um, even with Davidson, but also with like Richardson going forward, like now when, when there are other better options, like this season with some of the guys like Wyatt Kaiser and Ian Mitchell and, and some of the other and Vlasic, um, you could make the argument that they should be down in Rockford getting more playing time, whatever. Um, Wyatt Kaiser, we can maybe talk about him later, but uh, he certainly looks like he could be uh, not needing AHL time and he should be up at the NHL level. Um, and if there's other guys who should be getting NHL time, but they're playing Jared Tenorti instead next season, that's when we can start to have more uh, concrete arguments and uh, develop po- possibly some more uh, firm opinions about the uh, competency of the people in charge right now. Uh, and this signing could end up being part of that discussion. I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet, but you know, it's something to watch, I guess, going forward. Fair enough. Yeah. It really just strikes me as a safety blanket, seventh defenseman, um, so that they don't have to, waste a, a seventh defenseman spot on a young guy and can instead play them at top, yeah, top minutes I, in Rockford. I, I mean, like they, they claimed to Nordy off waivers in October. So instead of potentially having to do that again next October, uh, they're just doing it now. So yeah, it's like, and I, again, like kind of back to the same point, if he ends up being the seventh defenseman swing guy, like fine, whatever. It's not like, not like he's going to be the guy that keeps him from winning the Stanley cup next season. So uh, any other current Blackhawks thoughts? I think that's mostly the the topics we want to get to related to the current team. Um, they're still winning one to nothing. And um, although Pittsburgh's uh, I, the Hawks had a pretty sizable shot advantage during, or maybe even at the end of the first period. And now Pittsburgh appears to have taken that over completely. I don't have the sound up, so I have no idea what there's uh, what the broadcast is saying, but uh, Ooh, Crosby almost just scored, but he didn't. So <laughs> yeah, no Pittsburgh, uh, the <laughs> shot attempts, they were 19 to four. They were out shooting the Hawks um, in the second. So that sounds about right. Yeah. About I, right. I, I, I feel like this is going to be just like the Minnesota game where there will be eventually Pittsburgh is going to wake up and be like, Oh, we should win this game. And then they will. And uh, you know, Minnesota sent over an AHL roster to Chicago on Monday night. Pittsburgh still has Crosby and Malk. And I'm sure one of them will just, uh, you know, flick of the wrists, Thanos snap the fingers, the puck will be in the net. And then uh, all the Hawks fans won't have to worry about it anymore. And then we'll we'll keep an eye on Columbus too throughout the rest of the night because uh, I it's it's kind of funny that the Hawks end the season playing Pittsburgh and Philly and Columbus ends the season playing Pittsburgh and Philly although obviously in opposite order. Um, yeah, there are no three way dances in this league, unfortunately. You know, I got an idea. <laughs> that would be fucked up. Can you imagine? Say, if you how would you even do it? You'd make the rink like a baseball diamond. 
and have three do mats. You, do you do you like play three periods, but like each period is a different matchup? No, I think it's a free for all with less people on the ice. Yeah, just four. Yeah, four skaters aside, goalie for each triangle shaped stadium. Let's do it. I think you might have to go three on three on three. We'll we'll call it Throcky. Oh man, this sounds like a bad drunk idea. <laughs> this, yeah. All right. Well, we uh, we're making up sports now, so we're gonna take a quick timeout. That's where I'm at with this fucking season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell? Can you tell we're ready for the end of the season? Uh, we're gonna take a quick timeout. We're gonna gather our thoughts. Go back on the other side of the break. Then maybe not invent other sports. Maybe talk about actual hockey again, or maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but come on back on the other side of the timeout for this. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, so we had a story that might have gotten lost in the shuffle over the last few weeks with uh, some of the other. Well, I think just the general apathy that is set in among us and probably the rest of the Blackhawks fan base because of uh, the way things have been going lately. But um, so I think this came out about a week ago that uh, Nicholas Jalmerson was playing hockey again over in Sweden and had to retire again. Uh, because of concussions and uh, obviously our primary wishes for long-term health for him. And hopefully he's, there are no lingering effects from those concussions and he's good for the rest of his life. But he apparently went to Sweden to play for the team HV 71 to save them from getting relegated and was successful in doing so because they are not going to get relegated. But at the same time, it like cost him his hockey, the rest of his hockey career in the process. So I don't have anything other to add, but that's like, uh, I guess there's some nobility involved in going back to your home country and saving a team from relegation, but also, damn dude, like, <laughs> hope you're okay. <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't get hurt anymore, please. Uh, that, that's all I got. Please don't get hurt anymore. But I don't think he knows any other way to play. Oh, I, I don't think, I think a lot of those athletes don't know what else to do other than play. Cause that's all they've been doing their whole lives. As, but especially a guy like Hammer that would throw himself in front of every shot that existed for just just a complete disregard for his own physical well-being. That, always. Always. So those are my Nicholas Jalmerson thoughts. And uh, hopefully they're, uh, that's the last time we have to read about him being hurt in any manner. Um, swinging around to, well, not really the present-day Blackhawks, but maybe to some future Blackhawks. Uh, there was an article up at the Athletic recently that uh, Eric sent our way about uh, that. Uh, this was Scott Powers and Corey Pronman put it together. It was basically who the Hawks would pick based off where they ended up in the draft. So, like, if the Hawks finish first, they take Bedard. If they finish second, they take Fantilli. Those two, for the most part, seem pretty unanimous no matter where you go. It's outside of those two where things get questionable. Uh well, maybe questionable is not the right word. It's where there's more of a, a debate for it. Here they have Carlson at three, Matvey Mishkov at four, Will Smith at five, and Braden Yeager at six. Now, I have not uh, – we've been doing updates on the top four of those guys all season long. I it was I know the name Will Smith because I've seen it bandied about. 
I don't know a goddamn thing about him. I'll be totally honest. Same thing with Jaeger. Don't know a single thing about him. Um, but if anyone else had thoughts on uh, on this whole list, and well, you know what? I'm going to swing this over to Shea because uh, Shea was doing the Mishkov updates all season long, and I don't think Shea agrees with the number four ranking. Nope. Uh, Mishkov is better than number four. Um, he's better than Carlson. Um, and the only drawback to him is that he won't be available till 2025. Um, and that's not a good enough reason to not take him over a player who's better than. So, so the fact that you wouldn't, you would not get Mishkov for a few seasons would not preclude you from taking him. No, because who's like who's gonna guarantee that Carlson's gonna be ready in that time anyway? Well, Carlson, well, for ticket sales, um, <laughs> Carlson might be coming over a lot sooner. But yeah, but you know what happens when you rush development of yeah. prospects? Well. Uh, you get what you get, you get the current position of the Chicago Blackhawks. It, it does seem like most, uh, most of the scouting reports you'll read on Carlson is that he'd be ready to go next season anyway. And that Mishkov would be as well, but he's just, uh, he's contractually obligated to remain overseas. Yes. So I, I, I like just because you bring the guy up to the NHL doesn't mean it's, it's a rush. Like, I think the Kirby doc thing kind of ruined some people that like some guys can show up and go right to the NHL and be good enough. It's a very small number. Yes, but. Well, and it, it, like it took, you know, Jack Hughes has exploded this year, but he yeah. was down pretty low. It took him a while to figure it out. Um, you know, Slavkovsky was not very good for Montreal before he got hurt for the season so far this year. Um, so, I mean, there's, I'm trying to think of, you know, uh, who would have come in since Matthews really at number one and like instantly kind of been a major contributor, you know, somewhat of a superstar like that, that seems to not really ha- happen too often. Um, you know, it's, it's a different type of player who's able to do that right away. Yeah. Like Rosamus Deling's got there eventually, but it's, it's taken him a while in Buffalo to figure it out. And Owen power, I believe went back to Michigan for a year before he came to Buffalo. So he wouldn't be part of that uh, conversation either, but um, it's like, for me, it's like, it's less about the Bedard Fantilli thing. Cause it seems like everyone's got them one and two and everyone, I think there's pretty unanimous agreement that you draft those guys there in your starting lineup come October, uh, later this year. I don't know about, uh, Carl, like Mishkov cannot because of the contract or excuse me, Mishkov cannot because of the contract Carlson. Um, I believe can't, I don't think he has any contractual obligations as a matter of whether or not he's quote ready. The other two, like, I guess the big question I have, and, and maybe Eric, you know this better than me or Shay or Mill, I, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I have no, well, I will be wrong because I don't know. I don't know how big the gap is between the top four and five and six. Like, Bedard's in his own class. Fantilli seems like he's kind of firmly in at number two, although some people may throw Mishkov and or Carlson in the mix as well. But either way, after that top four, it seems like there's another gap down to five or six. Is that mostly accurate? Yeah, significant. Yeah. And it sounds like um, Will Smith is a couple years. Braden Jaeger would be a couple years. The Jaeger comp that I saw was Nazer, um, where he's oh, he's, okay. he's got a better shot than Nazer, but he's kind of like an annoying plus speed guy um, and like a, a hockey sense guy that maybe that's that carries him a little bit more than his skill. Um, but it sounded, yeah, like Will Smith, I don't know if it was going back to juniors, but they made it sound like if you're getting to that point, um, the difference between him and Mitchkov, you would have to take Mitchkov 
simply because the the timeline for Smith might end up being something kind of similar where he's not really making any major contributions in that NHL for like two to three seasons at least anyways. And I can tell you if the Hawks end up at number five or six at the draft lottery, that is that is doom. <laughs> like, I, like it may not. We are taking again. Well, well, they'll have no choice. The, the, then, then we're doing a lot of things again. And I, I, I don't even want to entertain that thought because that is such a, that would be the, uh, just a significant kick square in the junk if the Hawks end up at number five or six after all this, after trading away, Alex to that would be, that'd be a total failure uh, of a result for them. And they, and, but also at the same time, I would argue they, they fucking deserve it for what they're trying to do, but that's another horse I've beaten to death anyway. So. Oh, Penguins got to come out here and score a couple goals in the third period. Yeah, they do. Let's, let's just start got, with that. We just got to the second intermission and it's still I mean, two, or still one nothing. Oh, Columbus tied it up. We have it's funny. It's funny. Like in, in retrospect, some guys pan out to be really good who nobody hyped up. But like you can't depend on that. Obviously, you just gotta hope for it if you get a lower pick. Yeah, but, like, um, I really think like if this rebuild that their Hawks are doing is gonna work, somebody that you are not thinking very highly of right now has got to come out of nowhere and become a top six forward or top four defenseman. That's like every rebuild. Like every team that wins a cup has a guy that's like a top two or three pick, and they also have some guy way down in the draft who came out of nowhere and turned into an absolute all star. You need a little bit of luck with the trade. Yeah. You you need a lot. You need a lot to go right. It is. That's why like, Davidson's got like 742 draft picks over the next three years <laughs> hey, because hey, you're throwing them at the wall just that to is, see what sticks. And that is like uh, obviously a different sport, so it's not perfectly apples to apples, but that is the Bill Belichick philosophy in football is we're going to get as many draft picks as we can in the hopes that somebody just was unheralded and becomes – I don't know the sixth round quarterback that becomes the winningest quarterback in NFL history. Shit like that. Like that's that's what's your that's kind of the 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 place the Blackhawks have put themselves in. That like they're they're probably going to need something like that to happen. Which is a little little scary to think of it that way, but that that's also how it has always worked in sports. Uh, you pretty much always win a championship because somebody you weren't expecting to becomes a a really damn good player out of nowhere. Um, so I, I don't think I like, so we'll, we'll have plenty of time this summer to discuss. Well, I, maybe not plenty of time. We'll have about a month between the draft lottery on May 8th and the actual draft itself. If the Hawks aren't one or two, then we can all yell at each other about who the Hawks are going to pick. But, uh, I, I, we've haven't done a lot of prospect talk recently. Uh, I don't know if there was any, we've all had various beats and, prospects we've written about this season. Is there anybody that had a prospect they wanted to throw out real quick that has been uh, with everything going to the postseason now? Is there anyone in particular that uh, caught your eye over the last few weeks of uh, the regular season and the postseasons? Uh, just the things that I've seen is that um, Del Mastro got nominated for OHL or he's the best defensive defenseman in the OHL. Um, that was his nomination that he got. So that's cool to see. And then Korchinski's up for the, uh, defenseman of the year in the WHL too. And did he already get us defenseman of the year? Like among the, the teams that play in the United States in the CH or the WHL, I should say Korchinski. I didn't see anything about that, but I don't know. That would probably sound right. I don't, 
I'm I'm just I'm I'm gonna I, I'm firmly planting my flag in this camp of I think Kevin Korchinski's on the Blackhawks next season. He may not play all 82. He may get sent down to Rockford at some point, but he's gonna. I think he's gonna play at least 40 games on the Hawks next season. Okay, can, well, he, can he go to Rockford though? I don't think he's old enough to go to Rockford. Oh, that's right. I forgot how that. Uh, yes, that is a good call. Let me also say this: he keeps comparing himself to one of my favorite players of all time. My, my that that said favorite player didn't play in the NHL consistently until he was 22 years old. So there's time. There is time. Yes. But I also see, this is where I, I get uh, to correct myself on the Korchinski thing. He got the U S division defenseman of the year, which is a strangely specific category. Cause I don't think there's that many teams in the WHL that play in the U uh, or in all of the CHL that play in the U S but, Whatever, it's an award. Cool. Um, but coming back to the Korchinski thing, like, and and I maybe we'll end up going entirely down this road. But like, starting next season, like, like you are trying to develop prospects because next season you're going to have prospects who are at the NHL level who need to get better. This season, not really anybody. Lucas Reichel played the last twenty games, but he's back uh, in Rockford now. So it's like at some point you gotta you gotta try to be good because you're trying to develop your kids. And only and developing your kids like might require playing decent hockey at some point. Well, and you have to see what you have. Yeah, like I, 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 I'm not going to tell you they're going to be good next season because they're not. But like they should at least at times resemble a competent hockey team. I, I, I can't go ahead, Mill. I'm sorry to interrupt. I think when guys are so good that they're eating up the competition, the lower levels. If the Hawks still are bad, it's okay to let them come take their bumps and bruises at the NHL level when the team's bad. And if you're not going to stifle their development, because there's only so long you can let them beat up on kids. Yeah, like he he finished with 73 points, right? <laughs> and, and like and he's, I I don't know what else there is for him to prove in the WHL. And he's a large frame once they fill him out in the weight room he's going to be a big guy like yeah he's not like a little dude who's going to get bullied once he puts some muscle on and he can skate like i i base a lot of what i my high ceiling i have projected on korchinski based off the games he played in the preseason when he just he looked like he belonged and i i did have a problem that they sent him back this year but next year it's like if he does that again like you know, he can skate. I mean, he, he can skate, and some of the plays he made, like some of the passes he made, uh, and and like the times he jumped in the play uh, to get into a rush to create a scoring chance for himself, like, like that. That's what that's what Adam Boquist was supposed to be and never well, was. Well, also, and let me just toss this out there because we said it a lot this this past season. They clearly saw something in him to make the trade that they did. Yeah, it did. Like when they, because I. I, because I think some people thought the Korchinski draft was a bit of a reach. Did they not? Like I didn't think he right. was at seven on draft boards. Yeah, well, I think I think me and LBR also said that we'd, yes. we we were we were more comfortable if we switched. Okay, uh, now, Naz- yes. Nazer and if you, if it was Nazer at seven and Korchinski at thirteen, like that was more appropriate for where they were projected. But if they both end up being good, who cares? And the other thing is, but the, this is just my point: the Hawks didn't have a pick. Yeah. So it's like I don't think they would have traded away their arguably top one to two players. Well, certainly, and, and certainly their most valuable trade piece. Correct, especially at his age. Mm-hmm. Um, if they did think that there was something special, and 
obviously, you know, we talk in circles about all the things we like and don't like about guys, but the pro teams should have high enough paid uh, scouts who could tell them a lot more than we can. So we should hope that they hit on some of these picks, (laughs) but from what, but but from what, and I think, I think Shay brought it up earlier. It's like when Bowman would rush these guys or, or whoever would rush them that he picked and then trade them away because they didn't pan out. It's like, well, you didn't let them develop. Yeah. Well, and I, I just hope they don't overcorrect and go like too cautious. Yeah, you don't because... want to be like Detroit when they come up at 28 <laughs> years old or whatever. <laughs> oh, oh no, that's cool, man. Trust the Yeiser plan. It's going to be all right. It's a fucking guy has a family of five already. <laughs> it's like great. Sorry, not to rant, but like you remember, like they oh, that's, would have that's, that's what podcasts are for. <laughs> that's well, I feel like like it's kind of the Ian Mitchell thing. Like I feel like the Hawks were. I feel like they were really pumping his tires for the last two or three seasons. Like, Oh, this guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be good. Like he was like all everything in Rockford last season. He won like every award that the team had. And then he gets up this season and he's just like, exists. He's just not. Yeah. He's just, I, I, I feel like I haven't seen, I feel like I saw more out of that Korchinski sample in the preseason than I've seen out of Ian Mitchell this entire season. Yeah, and feel, even why, like, and, and even Wyatt Kaiser, in just like the last handful of games, I feel like yeah. he's had more moments where I was like, "That's what that's what that's supposed to look like." More I, than I like Mitchell. Wyatt Kaiser, I, I do. Um, I also feel like I saw that from Mitchell when he first signed and played the last little bit too. And then they just beat it out of him (laughs) by making him sit in the press box and watch Jack Johnson (laughs) 22 minutes a night. Like, of course that's going to crush your soul. The one shit Johnson. uh, The one, the one saving grace I can, I'm, I'm clinging to for Ian Mitchell is that he opened, like when they opened training camp, I think he broke his wrist. He had some injury and he was out for six weeks. And so he missed all of training camp, missed all of preseason and, and just starting the season off on the wrong foot and never caught up. So my hope is that maybe next season, if he gets on the correct foot starts, has a better start. And then the rest of the season goes better for him. That's my hope. At least I, I'm, I'm not optimistic about that, but that that's all I got right now. That will well, definitely happen he- on another team. I don't think he's been outwardly bad. He's just been kind of unnoticeable. I mean, being outwardly bad on this team, though, you got to be really bad. He's had a couple of really, really bad games. And I mean, I, I don't blame him. I, I blame the way that he's used more than anything. I don't think we've ever gotten a chance to see what type of player he could actually be because he hasn't had just like a 20-game stretch just to yeah. go in and play and not feel like he's going to get yanked anytime he makes a mistake. That, that was a better way to put it because like, again, <laughs> I'm framing it with this team. It's like half the time guys are getting their pockets picked and you look at the formation or, or who's on the ice together. And it's like, Oh, what? But like Ian Mitchell was supposed to have like some offensive flair to his game. Can any of you think of an offensive play he's made this entire season? I can't name an offensive <laughs> play. Anybody's made this entire season. <laughs> there you go. Kevin Korchinski. I can name, I can name it up. I can name an offensive play Connor Murphy's made this season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ten minutes ago. <laughs> Unfortunately, the skull. It's, it's saying something. The most memorable play, probably offensively, of the Blackhawks season was the Patrick Kane goal <laughs> that was called yes. back. Yes. Yes. They said he didn't actually score. That would have ended up being his last goal at the United Center. 
That's oh. probably the most notable offensive. My play this my, my most memorable offensive moment this season is when uh the dude, what the hell is his name now the the ball guy they got from Pittsburgh scored two shorties against the Sharks. Sam Lafferty. Oh, Sam Lafferty. Yeah, sorry, I forgot when, his name. When they opened the season, what was it like five and two? And and everybody thought the the rebuild was over. Well, I shouldn't say everybody thought, but there was. I remember seeing uh, an article of like maybe the Blackhawks aren't bad enough, and I was like. Just wait. Like Sam Lafferty had like five career goals, and then he scored three in a week. Like, let's I think I covered that game. I was like, "Excuse me." I remember panicking about the Blackhawks not being bad enough. Uh, I was in sell everybody was, right now mode. It was. It was like I, I, I've never seen like five flukier wins in my life than the first five they had to start this season. Yeah, it wasn't like they played well. They just had the most bullshit. Like the, their their PDO was like off the chart. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was not sustainable in every in every possible interpretation of that word. It's like Dave, you had to give a public service announcement to the sites, being like, "Don't get too excited when the same guy scores the two shorties eleven seconds apart, or whatever." Yeah, yeah. And then what happened? They lost twenty-one of twenty-three. The only that, guy that could pull that off consistently is Dave Boland, by the way. Ah, there we go. You know what? Let's end all the Blackhawks discussion on a Dave Boland reference. That that's that's a perfect place to wrap it up. Dave Boland shorty always fucking enjoyable all the time. So so uh, I have we've come to the part of the podcast where we have to make our claim as the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet. Um, Eric, I, I, I want to, Eric, you said you had a food take, so I'm going to leave this up to you. Cause I, I, I popped into the game thread and solicited questions from our, uh, the SCH commentariat, as I like to call them. And, uh, hot Doc decided to take it upon themselves to ask us about 15 different questions. So we can run with your food take, Eric, if you have one, or we could possibly explore some of the questions from Hawk Talk. It's a lot of either ors that could probably go through pretty quickly. Maybe we even do them all if there's time. What do you think? Yeah, let's save let's save mine for a later date, and we'll okay. go through the well, solicited questions. We'll, we'll let it we'll let it sit in the oven for a little bit longer. Let it get fully uh really get that good golden brown crust on it so it's served properly. So. To the questions, Hoktok, uh, thank you for uh, your long list of questions and congratulations for taking over the podcast. Uh, this is just going to be rapid fire. Uh, there's about three or four here, and if there's if there's need for more discussion, we can certainly get into them. But uh, poppy seeds or no? On well, what? I there it was not specified. This is a trick opiate question. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming this is a Chicago hot dog bun. That's exactly question. what. That's exactly what um, I was thinking. Or a and burger a, bun. Or a burger bun. Well, that's usually sesame. I think at least for Chicago yeah, no, stuff. Uh, yeah, I think I think I would I would uh, the differentiation there I think is correct of poppy seeds on hot dog buns, sesame seeds on hamburger. Buns. I, I do so purchase those at the store. So I'll let's specifically that. go poppy seed buns on a hot dog bun. Yes or no. Yeah. Uh, at, at a restaurant. Yes. In my house. No. Cause there's a million in the bag and they get all over the place. That is, that is a very good, uh, very good clarification. I'm going to go. Yes. On this all day. Uh, thick crust or thin. Well, you know, we've already had that discussion. We don't need to get into that one. Which part of the chicken wing? Are you the drumstick guy or the two bone part? Also known as the, the wing, the flat, whatever. Drumstick. 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 I think I'm, I'm N slash A. Oh, well, what if it's a vegan chicken wing? Um, 
I I'm I think I used to like like the drumsticks a lot when I was eating it. Okay, what's uh? I'm, we're gonna do this. At, I'll, I'll, I should have done this from the start, but we'll go with the order of uh the order of introduction. So Shay, Mill, Eric, best French fry dipping sauce. Ketchup. Yeah, ketchup. I'm basic. Uh, if you're counting cheese, I'll take cheese. Ooh. Otherwise, otherwise ketchup. Here, all right. Uh, I was gonna say ketchup, but is cheese a sauce? No, there is. I think cheese sauce. We had this podcast like two years ago. <laughs> Did we really? Yeah. <laughs> Are we running out of material? Is that where we're at? Well, hey, we started a new website, so we can just rehash all the old th- topics all over again. That's right. Cheesesauce.ghost.io. <laughs> it is gonna... delicious. Um, I think I didn't think of it because its availability is somewhat limited compared to ketchup, depending on where you are. Also has a lower floor. Mm. Yeah, cheese. Uh, yeah, some of them, the nacho cheese you can get at various stadiums or whatnot, can be uh, pretty gnarly. It's like it's like instant coffee, where it's powder and hot and hot water. That's just yeah. the cheeses. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. It depends on how instantly you want that cheese. It may not be good for you. No, yeah, cheese uh, fried cheese is boom bust. That is either. But if you get it at like Portillo's, it's awesome. Like the cheese yeah. sauce for your fries? There's certain places that their cheese sauce is outstanding. But then, yeah, like in and out they just put a slice of cheese on top of French fries and put it in the broiler for like five seconds, and it's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> this brings me to my to my favorite uh, food take. in and out is vastly overrated and is not actually good. I, I will disagree with you all day there. I will. All right. I Let me. I would. It, 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 it. It, oh, it, maybe it, I won't. I okay. So I I call Chick Fil A for obvious reasons as a non as a non binary pansexual person hate chicken. Uh, <laughs> In and Out is hate burgers, and they're just not as like oh bl- blinkers setting off the blinkers as Chick Fil A. All right, I'm gonna try to mediate the In and Out discussion before Eric retorts by saying I think In and Out is the the scarcity of it is why it's so popular, and I think it's because it's. Uh, primarily on the Western, like I think people think of in and out and think and associate it with vacation. So I think there is automatically some sort of um, you, you call it a little bit fonder because you always have it when you're on vacation because it's in a lot of vacation destinations. And I think that's part of the reason why it's so highly thought of, but Eric, I, would it tell me why, I lived why it's like two different in and outs, uh, a couple blocks away from two different ones. We ate it on a regular basis. It's still, it's a fantastic burger. Also, Shake Shack's better. I, that's that's a discussion. We uh, do a whole podcast. Shake, that, Shake Shack is better, and also Shake Shack doesn't hate the fact that I exist. There's no argument there. The only other thing I will say for In and Out um, is that they you can get a Neapolitan milkshake at In and Out. Uh, I don't know of any other place that does that, and it is insane. I don't know how they do it, but. You will take sips of it, and it will only taste like one of the three flavors. So you're getting all <laughs> kinds of different sips throughout the milkshake, and it's it's some type of insane magic trick. That's that's the vacation secret. That that's what that is. No, I I I think it. I I really think like if you like to Eric's point, if you live next door to an In and Out, it would not be quite as the the scarcity is what drives the demand and the fondness for it entirely. And I think there's there's a handful of 
food places like that in a similar boat. Because I, I think there's there's like a regional burger chain in a lot of places that you see it as if if you're down there on vacation, if you see it, you're like, oh, I got to try that. And you try it and it's good. And because you're on vacation, you remember it so well. I think the best example I have for this, and Shay, I'm there's probably one in your vicinity, is Whataburger. I had Whataburger yes. in t- uh, down in Houston a couple years ago, and I'm like, this is good. I, I don't think this is going to – I'm not going to drive to Texas on a random Tuesday again just to get this, but it's good. No. It's good for now. I don't know if any of them beat Burgatory for me. Beat what? Burgatory. <laughs> what is – what is Burgatory? Great name. I think I talked about it before. It's uh, it's only in Pittsburgh. There's like seven of them, and you there's like a scorecard type of thing. You get like a golf pencil, and you tell them exactly what you want, and you pick everything. And they do a uh, crazy milkshakes, and they have a full bar too if you want to drink. Um, it's pretty wicked. Highly recommended. All right. Well, the, my uh, my road trip to Pittsburgh for this summer. We'll have to. Uh... I'll send you the scorecard or the I have one of them sitting in my room, I think. Okay. All right. Well, uh I, I, I don't think we got to a specific food take. We just talked a lot about well, no, I think I guess I guess the food take became a, a uh argument over in and out and shake shack. And Do then, we have more uh, questions? Uh no. There there was a, then there's uh one oh uh Van Halen or Van Hager. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Uh, everybody knows it's Gary Sharon from Extreme Van Halen. That's the <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, more, more than words could ever say. I have a hot take about this. Oh, boy. Uh, Eddie's the star, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Ooh, that, that is a good take. And, uh, because they're both whatever. Like, I think they're fine. I love Van Halen. I'm a big fan, but come on. That is... I just, That's I, true, I, and and there's also you can make the argument too that like that amount of David Lee Roth was like just the right amount of David Lee Roth. Um, oh yeah, oh. <laughs> and that yeah, if it would have gone on any further, uh, uh, there they would have it would have gotten pretty played out. And there's some shit I like, like fifty one fifty and whatever. Like there's some cool solos on that record, so I'm not like, oh, Sammy Hagar sings on it. I don't want to hear this guitar solo. <laughs> Said no one they, ever. Yeah, they still wrote a couple <laughs> really awesome songs, even with Sammy Hagar. That, yeah, it's just it's just when Sammy Hagar solo stuff comes on the radio, that's when you have to worry. Well, I does it? People, <laughs> do, do, <laughs> does it come on the radio? <laughs> he has a couple of like hits that'll come on classic rock, but like not, not anymore. The uh, 97.9's gone, man. I don't think the drives playing it, dude. The drives the uh, the the drive plays stuff from the nineties now. Okay, that's that's all right. I get. I, no, I, we're I, old. I they keep food. Like, we they keep playing your age starts with a two, Shay. I heard you. I they keep playing like Foo Fighters and uh, oh, don't like shit like it, it. So it's not even like early '90s. It's like the back half of Foo Fighters, like '97, '99 stuff. I what I uh, I had this discussion with a friend of the show, Lewis, recently, uh, and this has happened to me several times. Though is that I think you recognize your age when music that was like had some sort of um like maybe like controversy to it or was like like parents rolled their eyes at it when you start hearing that music at grocery stores you are officially old cuz i keep hearing my chemical romance at 
the local grocery store. And that is a painful revelation for me. Cause I'm everyone, okay. everyone like when people were freaking out about emo music, they're like, is emo making, is emo music making people depressed? My chemical romance was like the poster child for that. And now they're playing that at the goddamn grocery store. Let me ask, let me ask y'all a question on the qualifications of classic. Uh, when you were listening to classic rock, when you were listening to classic rock in like 2010, and and music from 1985 came on. How did you feel? Uh, like the 80s was kind of the cutoff because there's like you know that would have been like 80s. that would have been like Bon Jovi era hair metal. Yeah, yeah. Some like they play Motley Crue. Yeah, I that's mean, how I, far I, away we are from 1998. I don't well, I don't have 1998 as like a major musical year. It's more than mid 2000s for me. I think the the term classic rock though, like people try to make it like how old it is, but I think it was more or less like the the time that defined it you know it was, the genre. it's like like classic yeah like classic rock is like a genre of like 70s rock music like post like post british invasion it's like fucking led zeppelin black sabbath yeah it was, it was like the the early stages of like the stadium era where bands started like playing in front of 50 60 000 people yeah but again what the fuck do i know because to me my chemical romance are theater kids playing pop rock music they're not emo Give hey, me fucking hey. sunny day real estate. Hey, we'll we'll so dive in. so like like how uh, new wave what is still called new wave even though it was four years ago even, even though that yeah wave, <laughs> yeah really it's like it. yeah old wave <laughs> yeah hey new wave great against me album though let me tell you um <laughs> old wave uh, all right well we'll we'll save the rest of these music discussions for our off season episodes because I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to dive into other topics. But that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And thank you uh, sincerely again. Thank you to everyone who has followed us in this path to the new website. Um, We're all collectively figuring this out as we go. So uh, we appreciate any patience you can offer us as we do that. But we hope uh, we hope the bumpiest parts of the road are in our rearview mirror and it should be pretty smooth sailing from here. And then, you know, fingers crossed that we have a halfway decent hockey team to talk about at some point. Um, I'm on Twitter at DMult57. Shay's at Jehosa's Witness. Mill is at Mill182. Eric is not on Twitter, but he is at SecondCityHockey.com, where I believe his name is it's it's uh, Eric Gagenheimer now, where he's the Jeff Hackett wall of tech. There's the Pittsburgh goal. Peng- Penguins just scored. Yep. And of course, okay. who else? And I have – you know what? We, we, we probably have enough time here. I can hang up for just a little bit longer. I, I turned the Hawks game off. I have – Pittsburgh or uh, Philly and Columbus on, they have 45 seconds left. And oh my God, Adam Boquist had a chance to win the game and he fell. He got like a pass. <laughs> he got a pass like between the top of the dots with a gold chance and he fucking fell. What kind of and Charlie then- <laughs> Conway shit is that? <laughs> oh, that- that's was- probably the summation of Adam Boquist's career. I think yeah, to this point, is, I really, yeah. I really wanted to like Adam Boquist. He seemed like he, he seemed like he was going to be a fun hockey player for like the next decade for the Hawks, and it just didn't work out. Again, that that feels like another player that the Hawks kind of fucked up that development. Um, he may not have done himself any favors, but I don't think his team did either. Um, all right, hang on. Philly's got one last rush before overtime, and then score. All right, so as uh, as we're going to call this episode right here. Uh, Columbus got a point. Hawks are in last place. They have the best lottery odds. And we're going to end it right here at this particular version of the world. And we'll see where we come out of when we end this episode. Uh, But thank you again for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week to wrap up this miserable, miserable season. And we can't wait to talk to you then.